Welcome to the Hutto Community Church Podcast. HCC is located in Hutto, Texas, and is led by Pastor Russell Daniel. For more information, please check out our website at huddocommunitychurch.org. Now let's join Pastor Russell for today's message. Good evening. Man, it's great to be with you guys. It's great to worship with you tonight. Uh, you know, sometimes we play music so loud that I can't hear you guys worship, and I can really hear you guys tonight. And so I just applaud you for worshiping the Lord, and uh, uh, it's just a joy to do so. Uh, today, we're just going to jump right into the message tonight. So uh, if you've been following along with us, we've been going through the book of Acts, which really details out what happens to the first followers of Christ in that first century church. And last week, we uh, talked about um, Paul going to Philippi, and while he was in Philippi, we saw three different individuals from various backgrounds give their life to Jesus. Uh, First, we saw Lydia, who was a well-to-do, good, moral, upright person, kind of person we'd like, we would look at her and say, well, she's probably a believer, yet she wasn't, even though she was God-fearing and she was going to church and involved uh, in a prayer group with some other ladies, she did not know Jesus. Second person we saw was a demon-possessed slave girl who had given herself to all kind of uh, licentiousness, whether by force or by choice, and God came in and, and saved her right in the midst of all of that. And then we saw the Philippian jailer. When Paul and Silas were thrown into jail and the earthquake happened, um, uh, they were, had an opportunity to share the gospel with him. And in the midst of everything that he dealt with as a, a Roman soldier, he too came to know Jesus. And so we really established that no matter where we come from, number one, we all need Jesus. And secondly, you can't be good enough to be, to, to be a Christian, and you also can't be bad enough that you're so far out there that Jesus can't save you. So that was Philippi, and that was last week. And I don't often urge you to do this, but if you miss that message, I would highly encourage you Go back and listen to that one online. It's on Facebook, YouTube, and any, anywhere you get your, your podcast. Today, uh, we've moved forward in Paul's missionary journey. So he leaves Philippi. Then he goes to a city called Thessalonica. And from there, he moves on to Berea. And while in both of those cities, he faced persecution that pushed him ahead uh, to that ancient Grecian city called Athens. And so Paul goes ahead of all of his companions to Athens, and he's kind of wandering around the city. You know, he's doing the touristy thing, and he's looking at all the things that are there and the the great buildings that they've constructed, and he's also looking at all of the different gods that they have. If you grew up in uh, the South, then you're probably familiar with the saying, there's a church on every street corner. And most small towns in in either Texas and throughout the South have a church on every street corner. And in Athens, they literally had a God on every street corner and everywhere in between. And so Paul notices this. And we're going to pick up the scripture today in Acts chapter 17 and verse 16. And the verses will be uh, on the TVs behind me. And verse 16 simply says... Now, while Paul was waiting for them, meaning his companions to come and and meet them in Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. 
So as Paul is wandering around that city of Athens, he begins to notice that there are statues of gold, of silver, of stone, and of wood, and people call these gods. And while he's walking around, people are trying to feed these images. They're washing them. They're laying down prostrate before them and worshiping them. And Paul, knowing the one true God, his heart breaks within him. See, this city was full of idols, and and people gave their time and their money and their energy to serve these pieces of stone and wood. Now, I think about that and what, what that must have been like then, and I look around our society today, and I think we're not all that different. Now, you probably don't have little statues, uh, like little statues of Buddha or whatever in your home. And if you do, I just pray that you take that and throw that away tonight when you get there. Um, we don't have shrines that we set up. We, we don't have images made of gold and silver that we bow down and worship. And we're not, we're not trying to feed them. We're not actually going after them. But our idols are much different, yet they are, they are no less damaging and damning to our souls. So what are, what, are, what are those? As I thought about this message this week and thought about all the idols that we have in our day and time, I mean, we could probably spend 45 minutes talking about the different idols. But I think there are just a few that really stand out in 2021. The first one I think about is comfort. The idol of comfort. We want to do everything we can to be comfortable. I mean, literally everything. It's why we, we put those uh, little black chairs that are, at, we put them at the very back so uh, they don't have cushions on them. These blue chairs have cushions and they are way more comfortable to sit on. And nobody sits in the back except for one person way back there. <laughs> but we want to be comfortable. You think about the things we buy. You think about our homes and how they are made for comfort. I mean, we live in the suburbs of Austin, which is like uh, the epicenter of comfort, Our homes are often near work, and it's near the grocery store, and everything is just so convenient. And really, when things are are not convenient, we have a tendency to say, ooh, yeah, you know, I can't do that, can't be there. And it might be something as simple as a meeting, that you've set a a meeting with someone, uh, but then something else comes up that's going to make you more comfortable or is maybe just more convenient, and that meeting is inconvenient. And so you call that person up and say, hey, I'm so sorry, I know we're supposed to meet in like 10 minutes, but... uh, I can't be there. And you just leave somebody on the hook over here. It's convenient. What about pleasure? The God of pleasure. I mean, whatever makes us feel good in the moment. And and our whole entire marketing system is built around this because it's all about you. Yet life is not really all about you at all. So we have comfort and convenience and, and pleasure. What about kids? You say, what, Russell? I don't worship my kids. No. But if we were to define an idol as something that we give our time and our money and our energy to, that takes the place of maybe more important things in life, like spiritual things and doing the will of the Lord, then kids is pretty high up on the list. I mean, it it doesn't take long for me to scroll through social media, and it's post after post after post of kids doing this, kids doing this, kids doing this, kids doing this. 
and kids get a little older and they get into that athletic stage and it's such a temptation just to, to feed that God and, and, and give all our money there and give all our time there and we give all our weekends there because we, we're hoping and we're praying that somehow they're gonna get some kind of scholarship. And we put our kids on a pedestal and we live our lives through them so that they become these many gods and, and our well-being, how we feel as a parent, if we're doing a good job or a bad job, is completely built around how our kids perform. And if they do really well, then we feel so good about ourselves and life is good. But, but if they do poorly or if they let us down, then all of a sudden we're a failure as a parent and a, become a failure in life. And frankly, that's too much weight for any child to be able to carry. And so it's no wonder when we look at the school system that kids are depressed, that they uh, have thoughts of suicide, that they're struggling with academics, uh, just a simple step because they've got so much pressure because we've made them an idol. I think about the idol of busyness, right? Like somehow in in our weird culture, we've become, um, busyness has like become a thing, that, oh man, I'm just so busy. You know, every time you ask somebody, how you doing? Oh, I'm just so busy, so busy all the time. And it's almost like we think being busy is, is a really, really good thing when actually the Lord said, hey, set aside one day for me for rest. But we just kind of ignore that and think that we can just stay on the treadmill full speed ahead. We were never meant to live like that. What about being right? Like over the past three or four years, like as, as things have happened in politics and with COVID, like there's the God of being right. And so whatever the issue is, I have to be an expert on that. And I have to, I have to be right. And if you don't agree with me, well, then we just can't even have conversation anymore because I'm right and you're wrong. And we've lost the ability to share opinions and ideas. And and really we see this worked out most of the time on social media and people will say their stance on one thing. And then of course, all hell breaks loose and you've got all kinds of comments going on, but people want to be right and seen as important as an, and as an expert. You know, I think, about, um, I think about sports. <laughs> Ouch, that one hurts a little bit, especially for those of you who love football and football is my favorite sport to watch, but how often do we build our schedules? And we build our social life. And, and we even maybe either come to church or avoid church based on our team's football schedule. Guilty? Yeah, that one hurts. And this doesn't even mention cars and clothes and having to make that extra dollar so I can afford that bigger, nicer house so that I can keep up with all of the friends that are in my circle. And so you see... Though we're 2,000 years removed from when this passage of Scripture was written, we have our own idols that we have to deal with. And really, again, an idol is when it, it takes the place of what's most important, which would be our relationship with Jesus and serving Him, because we're giving too much time and money and energy to this other thing that really has no value. So I just want to, I want to ask you, I'm going to ask you two questions tonight. And the first question is just a question for reflection for you. What are the idols in your life? What are they for you? Maybe they're some of the ones mentioned, but maybe not. 
What are those idols that you struggle with? You see, when Paul sees the idols there in Athens, it provokes within his heart a response. Let's look at that. Let's go back to the scripture, pick up in verse 17. So he, Paul, reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others says he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and they brought him to the Areopagus and saying, may we know this new teaching that you are presenting? For you bring some strange things to our ears and we therefore uh, we wish to know therefore what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and all the foreigners who live there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives, uh, all, uh, gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place." that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way uh, toward him and find him. He's actually not very far from each one of us, for in him we uh, live and move and have our being. And even as some of your own poets have said, for indeed we are his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance, uh, I'm sorry, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. And then notice the response. Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, we will hear you again about this. And so Paul went out from their midst, but some men joined him and believed, among whom were also Dionysius, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris and others with him. So as, as Paul is walking through the city of Athens, we see uh, that his heart is provoked within him, and he just begins to share the gospel with everyone uh, that he's able to find. So uh, first, he goes to the Jews, as was his practice in every city that he went to. He went to the Jewish synagogue and began to unpack the gospel to them. From there, he went into the marketplace, and he began to share it with the people who were there. And, and so, so much of this uh, was stirred up, and people began to hear what Paul was saying. They said, hey, listen, why don't you come before our rulers and just share what you're talking about? Uh, we've heard bits and pieces. Some of it sounds a little bit weird, but we want to hear you out because we like hearing new things. So that's exactly what Paul does. So Paul says, uh, listen, you guys have a lot of gods here. 
In fact, you've got one, uh, you've got an altar built to the unknown God. And Paul just simply says, I know that God. He's the God who made heaven. He's the God who made earth. He's the God who gives us all life. And we know this because he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us and was resurrected three days later. And so some people hear this and they're like, a resurrection? Well, that's foolish. And they walked away from him. Uh, Others said, man, that's really interesting. We want to hear more about this. And then others began to follow Jesus immediately. And so what Paul does is he begins to deconstruct Uh, their belief system, but he doesn't just deconstruct it. He also reconstructs it and said, your whole belief system over here is wrong. And here is the way that you should be believing. He's the God of heaven and earth and everything that has been made. Worship him through his son, Jesus. And so we saw those three responses. Some mocked, some said, I'm interested, and some actually believed. And that's the same for you and me today. Those responses don't change. And so what this ought to do for you and me is to begin to take the pressure off sharing the good news of Jesus with others. Like, it's not up to me. Like, I can't change your heart. I can give my best words and I can convince you from the scriptures, but ultimately it is God who does that. And so some of you will listen and say, yes, yes, let's do that, I'm in. Others are gonna say, well, pastor, let's talk about that a little bit because I have some conflicting ideas over here. And then some are going to say, ah, this isn't for me. Uh, I'm going to go somewhere else. And that's all out of our control. Our job is to faithfully share the gospel. But the thing that I really want to point out to you here is when Paul saw all of the idols that were in Athens, the scripture says back in verse 16 that his heart was provoked. So much so, that he had to go through all of this and share the gospel with anyone who would listen. And so church, my my second question for you tonight is, what is it in your heart that is provoked? Like when you look around our world today, what is it that just really stirs a passion in your soul? Let me give you an example. Um, When Brooke and I uh, first went on staff with Austin Christian Fellowship, and our task was to drive around the city and pray and find out where God wanted us. And so uh, that's what I did. And was driving on 130 North one day, uh, past 45, and then began to see all of the neighborhoods along the eastern side of 130. I saw rooftop after rooftop after rooftop, neighborhood after neighborhood after neighborhood. And the thing that struck me was where are all of the churches in this place? And so I went home and I Googled, I said, okay, where are the churches at? Surely they're there. And I found there wasn't but just a small handful and and did more research and found out that the population had exploded out here, but yet the the church had kind of stayed put where it was and and there was only a small handful of churches that weren't really reaching the population here and, and my heart was burdened. Because even if you drive on the upper deck of 35, uh, going either north or south, and you look over downtown and just north of downtown Austin, you still see churches everywhere. You can see their steeples. But out here, there was none. And so in my heart, the Lord provoked us to move out here, that we might be able to share the good news of Jesus with those who are here. So what is that for you? 
Like what really does the Lord stir up in your heart when you see something that's wrong in our day and time? I think about maybe is it, is it men who are not living according to the standards set out in Scripture? They're not leading their family spiritually. They're, they're just really boys who are in a man's body, not really pursuing anything, not really doing anything with their life, just kind of living, living for the day. Maybe it's women. Maybe it's women who find their, uh, um, find their being and how they look. Maybe for you, it'd be to come alongside women, be able to so, show the value that they have just in who they are, no matter what they look like, no matter how they dress, that God loves them just as they are and, and wants a deep and uh, uh, just abiding relationship with them. And, and you, want, you have a passion to be able to come alongside women. Maybe it's the unborn child. Many of you in this room, I know you have uh, supported the uh, Pflugerville Pregnancy Resource Center that we partner with, and, and you have a passion for those unborn babies. And every time you think about, about them, God stirs something in your heart, and maybe you would walk alongside a, a pregnancy resource center, not only give to them financially, but help the young women who are going through such a difficult time in their life. See, I believe that each of us has something that stirs our heart, that there's a passion in there. And I believe what God is calling us to do is to set aside the idols that we have in our life, the things that we pursue, we give our time and our energy and our money to that, that really don't give us anything at the end of the day. They don't satisfy. Uh, they don't bring us closer to Jesus. Let us set all of those aside and pay attention to what is provoked within your heart and pursue that instead and connect the passion that is within your life to purpose, really God's purpose. And so I don't know what that looks like for you and me, but I would just wager that the reason I, I would wager that the reason so many people are leaving the Christian faith, and why many people are really unsatisfied when they walk through the church doors and kind of go through the motions, and maybe they even attend a Bible study, is because they've not really connected what they're passionate about to God's purpose for their life. Instead, we're too busy doing what the world is doing and following all the idols of our day and time. So church, my challenge for you is to identify that passion within your life and connect it to God's purpose of being on mission with him, helping other people draw closer to Jesus Christ, to know him more intimately at a greater depth than you do today. And so it might be that you love to play golf, and that's what you're really passionate about. You love that, and you would you would just commit that, man, when you go and play that round of golf, that you would take someone along with you. And maybe it's no longer really just about the game, but it becomes about the relationship there and having spiritual conversation with that other brother or sister. Maybe you're really passionate about uh, football. And maybe this season in football, you'd say, hey, you know what? Once a month, I'm going to have a lot of guys over and I'm going to build some relationship with them. And I'm going to seek to go deep with them and encourage them toward Jesus and build them up and walk with them through the tough things in their life. 
And I would connect my passion to godly purpose. So whatever that looks like for your life, church family, I I can't overstate how important this is to connect what God provokes within you, what what you're just super passionate about, to his purpose. Because otherwise, we just spend our time chasing meaningless idols in the rat race of life. So as we close today, I want you to think about those two questions. What are the idols that you're serving today? What are they in in your life? And what is it that the Lord really stirs up in your heart that you really want to do something about, that you would would say, I would give my life for that purpose if I really knew how to do it. And maybe it's something that's that's much bigger than just you. And, And it's a dream. It's a vision that you have. But you think, man, there's no way. There's just no way that I could ever do that. That's the thing that God wants to use you for. And as you pray and think, think about how you can connect what you're really passionate about to God's purpose. And so we're gonna close here in just a minute. I'm gonna give you just just a brief uh, couple of minutes to think about this and to pray about this before the Lord. And and I just wanna encourage you to do that. And I'll be here down front if you need prayer for that or Maybe this is all so foreign to you and you have no idea what any of this means and, and you've never even really met Jesus. And maybe today would be that day that you say, I want to know this Jesus. I want to know the Jesus that saves me from my sins, that gives me comfort in this life, that says, uh, I love you so much I gave my son to die in the place, in your place. And if that's you tonight, then I invite you to come see me here at the front in just a second. So as we, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to give you just a couple of minutes to do business with the Lord this evening. Would you bow with me? Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, or visit our website at huddocommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.